Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome to episode 44 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope your Saturday is going good. I have a very special guest waiting in the wings here, Mr. David Blue. Eli Wallace is joining us from the very edges of existence. And he's looking fit as a fiddle. So before we bring him in, if you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube. It would really make a uh, great, it'd mean a great deal to me if you would click the like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. And please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you wanna get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live and expects clips from this live stream to be appearing over the course of the next several days and weeks on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. So for this episode, I'm going to be interviewing David for the first uh, several minutes, and then we are going to be inviting, while that process happens, we're going to be inviting the fans in YouTube.com slash DialTheGates chat to submit questions to David Blue, and I will be asking those near the end of the show. So without further ado, from Destiny... Mr. David Blue. Oh, hello. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I am well. You found the treadmill on Destiny. You look fantastic. I, I found the treadmill way before the Destiny, but also I have a concern that you stole everything from the SGC behind you. I mean, <laughs> I kind of pillaged. Yeah. There is pillaged some of that. is putting it lightly. Oh, and some Imperial stuff, too. Okay. This is true. But I don't I know if it. you noticed. Um, <laughs> My lovely lady here. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, it felt bigger when we were on it. <laughs> I have miniaturized it. It's like Cat's Paw in <laughs> TNG, you know, where I'm the witch who's shrunk, um, sh- shrunk the, uh, the ship to torment. Now I just need a candle. I so, love it. I love it. It's perfect. So, how are you, perfect. man? I'm good. I'm very, very good. And uh, just a warning to everybody. Uh, I'm not going to be talking to you. I, I promise I'm not going to be one of those people who's distracted. But I am also texting in the chat. Uh, my name there is Homeschooled Series because that's a show I created. It's the only <laughs> YouTube account that I have. So I can't, like, log in with David Blue. So when when Homeschooled Series chats in chat, that's me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Five, uh, anyway, so, okay. how so are I've... you? How, how was your interview with Joe? Oh, Joe is um, amazing as always. And I am, I am doing well, you know, making hay while the COVID sun has been trying to kill us all. <laughs> um, by little shows like this one. So you were originally with us for the uh, the live uh, role play game back in October. Thank you so much for that. That was so much fun. It was. It was indeed. I mean, anytime. It's funny. 
uh, you know, I've said this over and over on my Twitch channel and, and, and in other interviews, but I, you know, I find I keep having to let people know a lot of the cast members of Stargate, in addition to being great people, are huge nerds. So we love to play games. Uh, we love to play games with each other. Since the pandemic started, I have talked with David Hewlett, Robert Ricardo, um, Ben Browder, uh-huh. uh, Alexis Cruz, and Connor Trenier probably more than I have in years. And a lot of it has been around gameplay. <laughs> it's it this thing has been a double edged uh, before I proceed what's your twitch handle oh it's uh it's for david blue it's the number 4 david blue all one word uh i'll just get this out of the way i i've never been on twitch before until the pandemic and i joined and now it's been almost 11 months which is crazy uh i love it i do everything from gaming with friends uh actors you know and also just streamer friends to doing interviews uh, and also to hosting D&D games where I DM one shots. But the one that I think everyone in chat probably cares more about is every Saturday at 5, which is 5 p.m. Pacific. So in about four hours from now, I host SGU watch parties on my stream live where oh, I legit. provide. Yeah, I provide live commentary for an episode or two with everybody. Where are you right now? Where am I right now? While well, I'm in not, my not beautiful... geographically or existentially. I mean, <laughs> I mean the show. Uh, we are on. on. Um, we just finished Cloverfield, I believe. Oh, no, we just finished um, call, uh, Trial and Error. So uh, Trial and error, season yeah. two. We're gonna. My goal is since a lot of people seem to be showing up for them. Uh, my goal is to continue doing watch parties with other shows and movies once we're done with SGU. Maybe even go back and watch other Stargates again. But uh, for right now, we're just getting through SGU, and I'm enjoying kind of providing live commentary for people do, do you have uh guests come on and 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 commentary with you um funny you should say that not yet but okay. today there might be ah, all right very good well you know we um we've been wanting to do uh <laughs> commentaries in the future as well so best of luck to you that sounds great and it sounds like you're almost through the show so I yeah. Getting uh, those I don't last... save the videos. I should warn you. Uh, if if you or anyone else are interested, you have to come live because I don't save the VOD. Understood. Because the DVDs have commentary that we did mostly at my apartment while drinking, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to do more. And I love doing conventions and things. So I, I I think the live experience is one of my favorites. So I try not to like just record it and put it out there. Understood. All right. Very good. I get it. So I I want you to take me back um, to Little David okay. Blue. And <laughs> tell me your earliest memory of your mother. No. Uh, <laughs> what made you fall in love with this craft? With acting? Um, no, I'm talking about gaming. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean. We well, all had Legend funny. of Zelda. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, it's acting. kind of true. Every time I like start my stream, I always introduce myself. And I, I get through about 10 hyphens and I get tired. Uh, <laughs> because I've, I've just, I like learning and doing stuff. Uh, acting is weird. Acting I started in second grade, just kind of doing it with school. And then I eventually started doing community theater and stuff. And it was just, it was weird. It's hard to look back and see it. Cause back then it was just something fun that I enjoyed. And it was a lot of musicals and a lot of dancing. I'm a trained singer and dancer. Um, actually a lot of people on SGU are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then when it came time to go to college, I was actually going to go for computers and um, kind of had this, Last minute, I used to run a BBS, so I was late programming the BBS, and I just had this thought, like, wait, what if instead of going to school for what you can do, what if you go to school for what you want to do? 
and I just changed my major, changed my school, and never really looked back. Changed um, life. Changed my life. I mean, at the time, everyone's like, you're crazy. And then in hindsight, they're like, we always knew you'd make it. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, there is – it's not a reliable, consistent profession. 95% of you on, on a given week are, are out of work under normal circumstances. Yep. So, or more, actually. It, yeah. it, before, the, before the two unions, SAG, Screen Actors Guild, and AFTRA, the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, before they merged um, – the stat was 1% of people in the union make a living acting. Now, that's not 1% of actors. That's 1% of people in the union. Once they merged, the percentage lowered. So I actually teach acting as well and coach actors. And what I always say is the reason that old adage exists of if there's anything else you'd rather do, go do it. It's not because people are jerks. It's because if you want to be happy, the only re- and this is true about anything that you're pursuing in life. If you want to be happy, pursuing something incredibly difficult is only worth it if it's what it makes you happy. If there's other things that make you happy, go do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be happy. Run a pizza place. Work at a Starbucks. You know, mm-hmm. like focus on a family. Whatever mm-hmm. you need to do. For me, unfortunately, unfortunately, I realized really early on that acting makes me happier than almost anything. But you have to recognize how lucky you are to know oh, yeah. what makes you happy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And in fact, in college, it was a double edged sword because that experience of trying a bunch of things in college, I didn't get because I was already doing what I wanted to do. Um, So I almost envied my friends who had no idea for the first few years. Uh, So it's it's great. It's also a bit of a curse, you know, Mm -hmm. because there are moments when because there's no such thing as job security and acting, no matter how successful you are. Mm -hmm. So you never know if and when there's going to be a next gig. So it ends up sometimes you have up and down moments and in the down moments, you have to kind of check in and go, is this still what makes me happy? And if Mm -hmm. the answer is yes, God bless you. Good luck. If it's no, you have to be willing to let it go and move on to the next thing. No, which is how you get all these actors. Exactly. We have to reassess. I mean, I'm 37 and my, my parents to this day are always like, why don't you go out and get a normal nine to five, you know, Uh, which I have done, but they're they're like just get a job and stay in it for 40 years i'm like that's not really our generation anymore you know um we're more willing to take risks and try things out and yeah fall on our on our butts an awful lot and in the end of the day you know maybe we are going to be a little bit less financially secure than you are but i think it's the the goal of of always trying you know to to try something yeah it's really, really tough. As I said, like when I've taught classes, master classes at SAG and, and colleges and stuff, I always lead with kind of what we're talking about now. Like I'm here to save you 20, 30 years. If this isn't what makes you happy, just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do it as a hobby on the side. Do community theater. That's great. But anything that you love, especially the arts, whether it's painting, music, acting, teaching, writing, whatever, um, if it is what makes you happiest in the world – you just have to create, constantly create, always try to get better, always try to improve yourself. And you'll realize not to quote Stargate Universe, but it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. I can't tell you the number of jobs that changed my life that weren't my first choice or the ones that I thought would be every. I mean, we can talk about it if you want, but the ones I thought were going to be life changing that I didn't get. So at the end of the day, it's not about 
you know, maybe this is too personal. I'm a pretty private person, but a while back, I kind of adopted this mantra that, to put it in a douchey way, uh, that has served me well. And it's want versus need, you know, and it's a harsh mantra, but it's a real mantra. And I try to do that with jobs and with gigs and with what you want. And the truth is, as creepy and weird as it sounds, acting isn't just what I enjoy. It's part of me. And if I don't do it for a while, I'm not happy. And every time I get to do it, it cheers me up. Expressing yourself through creativity is oxygen. And if you don't do it, not everyone has is creative, but for those of us who are, if you don't do it, you you lose pieces of yourself. Yeah. And, and even very more hard so, to get back. You know, for the people who do enjoy acting, if there if there are people watching right now who do, um, it's even more than that. It's the thing that I love about acting or writing um, is you are exploring humanity. Every role I get to play, I get to understand another person a little bit more. I'm really good at reading people in real life because I've been spending so much time doing this, seeing motives, seeing tactics. Why are you doing what you're doing? You're essentially an armchair psychologist if you're a decent actor. And it helps you understand the world a little bit. Um, but you're and also that's exploring kind of a facet of yourself, too. Yeah, yep, because yep. a piece of you is endowed in everything that you create. It's yeah. just, just the dial is how much of you. And for Eli, that was probably a little bit closer to you than it was to, okay, I need to go and study this. Because <laughs> well, I'm not an, this. Well, what, well, you know, actually, I've had this conversation before. It's an interesting thing. Forgive me, I fidget a lot. Um, You're fine. It's an, it's an interesting thing because my theory is every role you play should have some percentage of you, uh, like a tank. Uh, now, I've played some roles that had strong parts of me. Uh, Cliff St. Paul and Ugly Betty was the most right. optimistic of me uh moonlight was the sarcastic version of me uh eli and su he and i were very similar but as much as my castmates love to give me crap about being the one who wasn't even acting they're like he's just playing himself um <laughs> we, we had a lot of differences for sure uh but the inroads to the character were of course easier because i watched all the stargates before i ever got cast yeah, um, love video games programmed like to film things took a lot of pictures you know um i was worse with women than he was <laughs> <laughs> welcome but, um, to you know. dial the gate confessions i'm your host david reed today we've got a sad case folks <laughs> but there, there are pieces though and it's interesting because not to go too deep into my coaching and, and teaching of acting but I do like these sort of character sheets, D&D style for any character. And I had one for Eli for the audition. And I kept that in every script for the entire first season. And then we went to do season two. I made a new one because he had changed so much. And it wasn't just a sheet describing me. It was a sheet describing him. There were some parallels and overlaps, but um, which made some of those parts easier. But there were quite a few things that were different. And on, honestly, having played him for so long, there are some quirks that I picked up from him. You know, Isn't so that it's, it's weird. Yeah. yeah, it's strange. It becomes kind of part of your idea. I, I have a habit of where I, if I watch a show, like, like I'll go on a Seinfeld binge, mm -hmm. like, like three or four or five months of just Seinfeld. And you incorporate a lot of that stuff into you. If you, for me, at least if, if I watch it long enough and I'll be quoting the show constantly and, and looking at the world through a more of a Jewish lens and things like that. <laughs> um, but I, I can see how it would kind of consume you that way. And it, it's, I mean, it's not like you're doing evil. 
You know, it's so it's yeah. for, for that kind of a character, you know, it's kind of okay to let you go on that kind of ride. Well, but even then, you know, there's that old wives' tale, uh, which is actually kind of offensive when you think about that phrase. Um, there's that old urban legend that that playing Joker made Heath Ledger go crazy. Yeah. And if you watch the amazing documentary about him during that time, it shows that it's not really true. But when you spend a lot of headspace inside of a character, sometimes you do pick up those things. I, I did a play slash that turned into a movie that I'm very proud of called Lear Shadow. Um, and he was a very confident Shakespearean actor, the character. And I, I found myself analyzing more during that time. It can be something if you're not aware as an actor that you take home your work with you. But if you're trained and if you know what you're doing and if you're careful, uh, it's really, really simple. It's just about kind of putting on a costume and then taking it off. Now, I have always taken a lot of pictures my whole life, uh, especially back when there were like actual cameras. Mm -hmm. And so when I got cast as Eli, I kept doing that more and more and more and more to the point where some of my poor castmates were like, David, put the camera down. I took so many pictures. Uh, those of you who don't know. Have you seen the, the set we're in? So I'm, yeah. I'm taking pictures. It's beautiful. Well, I'm but sorry, also, go ahead. I would take pictures of that. I have so many videos of Louis saying, "Put stop, stop filming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did it not only for my own memory, and I kept telling them, like, guys, this will not see the light of day. This is for us. But also, I would take separate pictures using Eli's phone. Uh, those of you who don't know, the MGM blog that was from Eli's point of view, I pitched to MGM, and they let me do. I wrote the blog, and all the pictures that were from Eli's point of view were ones I took as Eli on set. So it was half that and half for myself. But looking back, I took way more pictures than I normally do while I was playing Eli because that was sort of bleeding together, you know? You were becoming him while you were working on that because you were trying to look through his lens. A little bit. I got a little bit more acerbic in my sarcasm and my sense of humor. I started fidgeting with my hands more which is what he does like it just weird little things like that you know it's kind of he had he had some level of a neurosis and that there imagine the life that he went through you know i mean having mm -hmm. to be the man of his house so he wasn't yeah. prepared for that and it's, it was a job he is it, the the if if we're going to take and and it's very much an ensemble cast but if you want to take a mm -hmm. look at sgu and the hero's journey it is him you know that that is the he is the reluctant hero in pajamas who has to ask for pants and go to this other world and you know hold his breath before he goes through that gate. Um, yeah, well, the holding the breath was something I decided to do on the moment, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad they kept it. I had no idea their camera was on me during that moment. I just always thought you would do that. You would of course do that. I would I, every time I ever watched any because I again watched all of the series before I ever got even auditioned. I was always like, "Why is no one holding their breath? Like you're going into a pool, you would hold your breath." Um, but this one huge, wonderful thing from the Brad and Rob perspective, all the producers, but Brad and Rob, when those of you who don't know the audition and the callback process and the test process were actually really drawn out. It was like uh, it was like weeks and a month, oh and then God. three months before they announced us. Kill me. So. Um, between getting the job, like after the test, Brad and Rob called me when I was actually at a party. They called me and they're like, we want to talk to you for a little bit. And I think they wanted to make sure I wasn't a jerk. But also they wanted to tell me that a little bit that Eli was going to be the inroad for the audience. And that was so much pressure. But I took that to heart. Like Eli was us 
watching the show mm -hmm. and it really mattered to me. So anytime people say they feel Eli was that, it just kind of, it feels like a little pat on the back because it feels like I did my job. You Do you know? have any idea how many times I've been compared to you? <laughs> oh Dude, God, I'm sorry. Seriously. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't even consciously aware of it when I was watching, but yeah. He, I would do that. I would, I would do what he would do in that situation. It's like, and I found a lot of other people felt the same way. And it, I think it's a testament to the quality of the work that, yeah, you did unlock something that was true and faithful to the nerd's experience, you know? Yeah. And by George, we're taking over the world now. So. Yeah. And, well, I know. God bless that. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of fun to be around as that was happening. Yeah, ascending. You know, mm hmm well, <laughs> well, friends with like Zach Levi and a few other nerd actors. Mm -hmm. And at the time, nerding was just starting to become cool. And it was a weird mind screw because the things we used to hide, like I played Magic the Gathering in high school and we'd always get made fun of for playing it during lunch. And then to then go to conventions and like the nerds are the cool kids right. was interesting. Also to see some of the dark side where people were starting to... Yeah, uh, no, yeah, you can be negative far. in the nerd world. Yeah, but it's kind of nice to see now. I'll, I'll never forget. I was in Australia for my first convention, my first Stargate convention at all, um, internationally, and I called myself a nerd a few times. And somebody in the audience said, "Don't do that." And I was like, "What?" They're like, "Don't make fun of yourself." And I went, "Oh no, I'm sorry. I guess that hasn't spread here yet." Yeah, in America, it's actually really cool to say that. So yeah. I. It, let your nerd flag it's a fly, loud and proud thing uh-huh yeah That's i love exactly that it's kind right. of like that now you know the weird things you're into make you unique i i it's it's been in the back of my head since you brought it up you know there, there were you said that there were parts of eli that were easy to identify with and there were other parts that were kind of hard to crack i'm mm -hmm. interested to know one of those facets that were that were not so obvious to us as viewers or to you as a performer that you went in and was like I'm going to have to work on this part of it. This isn't this isn't something that that naturally flows with something that I would expect to do with him. Um there's a few. Um I've struggled with imposter syndrome and confidence my entire life. Uh so I, if I remember correctly the breakdown for Eli was a cerbic sense of wit, a wonderkind who has not his has not been tested. And honestly it's part of the reason I almost turned down the audition cuz that sentence sounded like McKay. And I loved David Hewlett. And You're I'm like, like an early McKay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't be more David Hewlett than David Hewlett, nor would I want to try. So I almost turned down the audition. But when I started looking at it from a, what did they say? And what does that mean to how I see the character? It got easier. And he, Eli, actually a little bit more confident than I was at the time. Um, much better at math. I mean, I, I took honors calculus in college, but I don't remember that anymore. Um, he was much better at math, much better at the science stuff. Uh, he was actually a little bit more brave in speaking up for himself and talking to people. His humor was a little bit darker. Um, the moms, <laughs> the mother stuff was, you know, the, the having to grow up fast because of that wasn't really my experience. And in a weird way, not to get too insider trading about it all. Um, the, the comp the competition between Rush and Young over Eli and how Eli felt about that and where his loyalties lied. Um, even just like little micro choices, like once he realized Chloe and, and he were not really an option, but that and Chloe and Scott zone. were together, mm -hmm. realizing that that was two of his friends who are now happy. Mm -hmm. You know, protective of her, 
but realizing he wanted them to be happy. Like things like that really kind of solidified him for me. Um, you know, when I first met RDA on set, uh, first time I ever met him, uh, we got into a van and he just like, hey, I'm Richard. And I was like, <laughs> I just laughed. I was like, yeah, I know. Oh my God, you're Richard Dean Anderson. I watched MacGyver and Stargate. Ah, like I was freaking out. Whereas, you know, Eli meets him and he's like, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, I would be a little bit more willing to believe people if they're like, we have a spaceship. I'm like, where do we go? Sign me up. I'm in. Um, so we had he, Eli was a little bit more reclusive and yet outgoing. It's really hard to describe. Um, but a lot of that is for the writers. You know, I give a lot of credit to the writers, even after our first table read, which we did, for those of you who don't know, in the Stargate Atlantis set. Um, they were watching us a lot. They were like staring at us and looking at us. And I asked Brad, I'm like, what were you guys doing? And he said, we were trying to see who you are as the character. So we now know how to write the next episode. They're working. Yeah. yeah. They're, those brains are never off. You know, there's, there's yeah. all, they're, you're always looking for an in. Just as you yeah. as a performer are always looking for an in. It's like, okay. Yeah. And as a writer on? now, uh, Julie McNiven, uh-huh. who plays Ben, and I have become somewhat writing partners. We've written a lot of scripts now. And I get it now. I wasn't as yeah. much of a writer back then. I get it now um, because an actor, again, apologize if this is too insider, but an actor doesn't just play the role that was written, nor do they just come in and do whatever they want. A good actor merges the two. They take what's on the page and they add a little bit of something themselves. And I I, I respect the hell out of Brad, Rob, Carl, Joe, uh, everyone who directed and wrote and produced the show. Because they not only gave us a lot to work with, but they also let us play. Um, one memory comes to mind I forgot about until I was doing the live commentary on my Twitch channel for Water in season one. I decided, I don't even really know why. I decided that Eli was afraid of insects. And in the scene where the bugs are all over the yeah. ship, I don't even have any lines. And I'm in the background doing this. Like, I'm freaking out thinking there's a bug on me. And I remember Robert Carlyle coming up to me and going, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, oh, I just, Eli's afraid of bugs. And he's like, okay. And he walked away. <laughs> but Brad and Rob were into it. You it know? just like, fits, you know? Yeah. It made sense to me. But they let us play. And, I, and it was one of the biggest compliments I think Carl gave us uh, midway through season one. He said, you know, we don't have to write for you guys as much. Because we don't have to have our scripts be too overwritten because you guys bring so much. And that's a huge a compliment, nice compliment for an actor. Yeah. David, who are your heroes? Who are the people who um, gave you the courage to jump and grab your dreams? I mean, as an actor or as a person? As a person. Hmm. That's a hard one. Um, I don't know. That's a really, really tough one. It's a good question. It's... Hard to answer because I find heroes just in the world, people who are just nice, even though the world treats them like crap, uh, people who are brave. Um, hell, I so I started fostering a puppy uh, <laughs> a couple of months ago, and she was horrifically abused by someone. She, when I first uh, brought her just to kind of watch her for the weekend, she was so scared she didn't even use the bathroom for two days. And um, she, she's afraid of noise. She's afraid of outside. She's afraid of everything. And uh, it's been a, a little bit now. And the other day, she, she's afraid of every noise. She's afraid of the door. 
I put a leash on her, walked towards the door. She bolted out and started sniffing around. And I almost broke down because I was like, you're so brave. You're the bravest person I know. And like, it's the little things. Yes, there's the heroes. You know, I find The Rock to be such a huge, huge idol because not only is he a good businessman, but he seems to care about people. I find people like Barack Obama to be a huge inspiration. I, I've always loved, always loved Robin Williams because he's brave as a comedian and as an actor. In the movie Toys, I told my parents that I thought he was my actual dad because he's so much like me, you know? So I find them all over the place. Some of my friends are. Um, actors, I've writers. It's, it's just really kind of too broad of a question to answer, but it's a really good question. <laughs> no, I appreciate you taking a stab at it for sure. And I think that that's very insightful. I mean, of any of the... Um... Uh, of your castmates on uh, on SGU, uh, who of those do you think? How do I want to put this? Helped you grow the most as an actor and as a person. I mean, they all did yeah. in different ways. Um, on this is nothing against the script or the people. So let me explain. Um, reading the script of the pilot before we ever shot it or rehearsed it, just reading it. The characters of TJ and Greer, I thought were like, oh, they're okay. But everyone else was more interesting to me. And then I remember we were filming our first scene together and I saw Jamil make some choices and I saw Elena make some choices and I could not take my eyes off of them. And I went, oh shit, you might be my two favorite characters now. I you know, and they're so good. And Elena's become an incredibly good friend, uh, Bessie of mine. She's so good and so good to watch. And I, I have a memory, a clear memory while shooting, funny enough, the episode Water, where Robert Carlyle and I were, were acting as Russian Eli and we were yelling at each other as the gate was going off and people were doing stuff. And they said, cut. And I was like, what do you mean? Cut? Oh, God, we're acting. Like, I forgot because <laughs> I was so in it. Um, so watch Doing the rewatch on my Twitch channel now on Saturdays watching some choices people made that I forgot about, like Louis losing his mind and trial and error. You're like, God, you're so good. And then as a person, you know, I, we all got close real fast. Uh, we were a very close cast. We hung out constantly. We watched episodes together. We, you know, but I would say that me, Brian and Elise at the time hung out the most together. Um, Brian, I think is an amazing actor and an amazing human being. And I remember, uh, I was in London for a convention and it just happened to coincide with him doing Glass Menagerie on the West End where he was nominated for an Olivier Award. And I went and watched him and I had forgotten about Glass Menagerie. I forgot because I hadn't read it since college. I knew he was the gentleman caller and I'm like, oh, cool. What's your background? Like I literally didn't even place in my head. He came on stage and he was such a force. And we went out for drinks afterwards and hung out all night. And I was like, dude, you're living the dream. You're on a show where you travel the world, Sensei at the time. You then got nominated for Tony, got nominated for an Olivier Award. You live on the West End right now. You're doing amazing work. Also, as a fat kid, he, he at the time, he was like living above a bakery. And I was like, it always smells like pastries. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're my idol. You know, like I, I, everyone on that show was so good and also such a great person. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of the reason we all still keep in contact now. Um, we were more of a family than we were workers, you know? Yeah, in season two, you all moved next to each other. You all share the same block, if I understand you really if I did. correctly. 
which is funny because back then Elena and I didn't see each other much. And now like, well, when we can, we see each other all the time. It's funny. I thought in many respects, this is an off topic thing that, um, Elena was in, in many ways, a, a better commander than medic. Uh, and I would have loved to have seen like a couple or three alternate reality episodes where she was in command of that ship because she could do it. And it's like in episodes like Water where we do see her take on the command role. You know, I, I've been, part of me is like, well, where where does Louis fit then if she's going to do that? But it, like her and Jamil didn't get nearly enough screen time. But, you know, it's also really hard to to be blunt about it. It's really hard in an ensemble cast as a writer and as an actor because you can't shine a light everywhere even when you're writing a pilot a first episode you want to show all 10 characters you can't you won't sell it and nobody will watch it you have to introduce them to a few and then others and so that was a problem and it's funny from an actor perspective i'll tell you everyone is so good i don't think i've ever said this in an interview everyone is so good that i remember in season two we're all friends watching an episode with patrick gilmore in it and i went wait i haven't done as much in the past two episodes and he's so good oh, no, they're replacing me with him. <laughs> I remember having that thought and then going, wait, no, like, there's room for everyone. It's fine. But it was this it was this weird moment of I realized I hadn't done much for a couple of episodes. It happens, mm-hmm. you know? The time off is nice. But it, <laughs> it happens. And it doesn't mean anything, you know? And I'm in season two, which is where we're at with the rewatch on the watch parties on my Twitch, um, now Elena's stories are starting to come to the forefront and, you know, we get to see more of Greer's childhood and all these things that we didn't get before. And it's kind of why I loved SGU. Sorry to preach to the choir here, but it's kind of why I liked SGU. Even at the beginning, people were like, it's not fast enough. Like the first few episodes, like quick, quick, quick. We, it's slower, yeah. and I like that as a fan of other shows too. I like a slow burn and as a writer. Modern television. Well, yeah. Well, we were a little bit ahead, but, uh-huh. uh, I like it because you get invested in the characters more. I think I actually said this at my first convention. I said, give it a few episodes. You'll be more invested later. And it's so beautiful to see people say it now. Like, I care so much. Why? And I'm like, it's because you took the time to get to know them. Well, you took the journey with them. The Season one, they are the wrong people in the wrong place. In season two, they are forced to become the right people to deal with their situation. And rise above their station in life and what they were expected to do. That was the yeah. point of the show. The The series ends at the end of Act 1 of a three-act play. Yeah. I mean, at least and that's I, how I, I look at it. I respect them for that. And, you know, I hate to address any sort of negative stuff, but since that Lou Diamond Phillips interview came out recently and people ask me all the time, um, the the premiere of it was an unfortunate perfect storm of events. Um, but... They knew where they were going. I trust and still do the producers and creators of this show, even when they wanted to make it. I respected the hell out of them that they wanted to try something new in the world they created. And they didn't want to do more of the same. And I don't think anybody wanted to watch more of the same. You know, not I hate quoting people who aren't in the room, but uh, I think Brad put it in an interview once. He's like, Daniel Jackson became a superhero, which is so cool. But he became an angel. When you're a god, <laughs> yeah. where do you, there's no risk. Yeah. It's kind of like the prequel of Han Solo. It's like Solo. Right. Like They're like, are we going to survive? And as an audience, you're like, yeah, because you're in the next movie. Like yeah. You're absolutely going to survive. So when you lose that risk, it gets harder. Well, by meeting a new group of people who could die at any given moment, 
that aren't superheroes, it gives them new stories to explore. So I really respect that as a writer, but also take all take the fact that I was in it out. As a fan, I would have watched SGU and loved it at the time. You are one of maybe five people, maybe even less, who know Destiny's fate and know where she was going. And I'm hoping uh, one day in the fourth Stargate series that we will find out what happened to that mission. Because when the show ended, I was crushed. It had become my favorite Stargate. So say we all. So, right? <laughs> all yes. Where's Adama when you need him? Um, it, not everyone feels that way, but that's how I felt because I, I grew to love it. And not knowing her fate is going to haunt me until Brad, you know, either finishes SG4 or tells me. But what I want to know from you is knowing where she was going and what the background radiation, cosmic background radiation, whatever that was, knowing that information for yourself, does it bring you closure having those answers? Were those answers satisfying? Um, so so here's, my, here's my point of view on it. Uh, so for those people who haven't heard me say this at conventions or interviews, so uh, it's not like I know every little piece, but no. I weirdly we hadn't been we, we were just about to go into hiatus and i went up to brad and i said what are we doing next season where are we going and he told me some stuff and it was really cool i will never say it out loud uh because no, sure, as sure. i just the way i disclaim it to people is one it's not my story to tell it's mm -hmm. brad's um two if i tell it it's spoiled and there's no hope that it could happen and so i keep my mouth shut because those two reasons now that being said the, the ending of season two was not supposed to be the end. Uh, we were all on hiatus. I was back in L.A., uh, you know, auditioning for some stuff and just taking some time off. A couple of people were on a boat. <laughs> oh, you weren't on the Carl Vinson. Yeah, uh, I, okay. I wasn't. I was in L.A. Uh, okay. A lot of us found out we got canceled via Twitter. Um, it was very unexpected. Uh, none of us knew it was even a, a, I mean, at the end of any season, you're not sure if you're getting renewed. None of us knew we were being canceled. Um, that being said, I hope it continues in some form or another. I want it to. And if they want me to be part of it, I would sign up in a heartbeat. I think any of us would. But first me. Uh, <laughs> but I love the ending, even though it wasn't supposed to be an ending. And let me tell you why. Oh, you're, we're talking, we're talking gauntlet. Yeah. Okay. I like it. And people are like, oh, you know, it ruined it. I like it because it, no, spoiler alert, it. you had nine years, but spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> it's a choose your own adventure. It, it allows the story to end in a way where fans can now pick up the slack and, and make their own stories in their head, write their own stories, whatever. Are they canon? I can't say unless I know what's in it. But I love <laughs> that part of it. I love that part of it. And, you know, would I love to have done more? Yeah, even our last shot all together we were all sad because we wouldn't see each other for a few months and we were celebrating it didn't feel like goodbye it felt like see you later and it kind of sucks but if it has to be let's say that the world the the planets don't align and there isn't a closure at all mm -hmm. there isn't any more sgu i like it for what it is because it means you guys can picture the destiny out there exploring and eli at the helm um i like that and to be fair we did get an ending with epilogue you know 
And I, I love those two episodes. Carl Binder was brilliant with that as well. So we did see something. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there was, there was a certain amount of closure with that as well. It was an alternate them. We saw the alternate them. And, you know, that, that yeah. last 10 episodes uh-huh. of, that, of that season, that second season, were some of the best sci-fi that was ever done. There's you one, know? I won't say it because I've been promising everyone on my Twitch stream that I would say it when we got to the episode uh-huh. on the watch party, so forgive me. Uh-huh. But there's one thing in those two episodes, probably the only thing in the show, that drives me crazy. Uh, and I've talked about it at conventions, but I'm going to talk about it on my stream. There's one choice, and it wasn't even a choice. In the script, it was different, but they had to cut a scene for time, and that scene was so important to me for Eli, and it pisses me off that it wasn't in it still, especially now that we ended. But with the exception of that, I love those episodes because any as an actor, anytime you get to explore other versions of yourself later on, earlier on, it's so much fun. Um, yeah, you're acting being a daydream. Yeah. Well, even just being a series regular, when you're playing a guest star or you're doing a play, you know this person for this set piece of time and that's it. As an actor on a show, as a series regular, you get to grow with them. You get to watch them change, you know? Mm-hmm. Look at Daniel Jackson, you know? Like, nebishy mm-hmm. hand to like, I will smite you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It was, it was a great um, two seasons and I am confident that that Brad will make something of SG4 that um, will give us the answers that we were wanting while at the same time push the story forward. I hope so. I mean, you know, people rephrase it the wrong, or phrase it the wrong way a lot. They're like, do you want there to be a reboot? I'm like, well, no, because then I won't be in it. I would hate there to be a reboot. Yeah, reboot do you know the definition of reboot here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, a continuation? Yes, yeah. because, you know... In whatever form, I've said this since the minute we were canceled. People are like, you guys don't want to come back. Every single one of us loved working on that show and would come back in a heartbeat, now or then. Uh, In continuations or revisits or popping in, if they wanted us, I I can't speak for everyone else, but I'm pretty sure I am not wrong. I'll speak for myself. (laughs) I loved playing the character of Eli. I loved everyone involved in that project, writer, producer, PA, AD, costumes, publicity. Um, I, all of us would, I would love to revisit and explore more stories. Now I have some idea of what they're putting out there, um, or trying to do. And I think it's cool. And I, I've always said, and this, I say this to the fandom, forgive me for sounding like I'm on a soapbox, but if you love a franchise, even if you don't, if you love a part of a franchise, great. If you don't, don't watch it, but be careful about ever damaging a franchise because you want to get more of that franchise. Look at Star Wars right now. Look at Star Trek right now, just expanding and expanding and expanding. That's because the the love for the series is there, whether you watch it or not. I always say I love Next Generation, like Deep Space Nine. I didn't really get into Voyager. I never oh. watched Enterprise. Well, during the pandemic, I finally went back and watched Enterprise, and I really enjoyed it for what it was. Cindy Arc's good. So, the same thing. Yeah. If there is a version that comes out, whether you like it or not, watch it or don't. But don't ever be negative to the people who created the franchise you love or the franchise because that, that's a long damage that can slow the works down. Mm-hmm. It, you know, show your support. Spread the love. You know, yeah. I mean, if, if you love Stargate, then you love Brad and Rob and yep. Joe and Paul and what they were doing. So that was kind of what not to talk about the negative. That's kind of what bothered me when that when we before we premiered, when there was a little bit of a trill. Mm-hmm. Uh, People are like, it's not Stargate. Well, yeah, it is because Brad and Rob. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, exactly. Yes, I mean, we could we could it. deconstruct all of that, but yeah, it's yeah. you know, it not everyone's gonna love everything. 
And they don't have to. <laughs> but don't sabotage it, you know? Yeah. So. Anyway. I mean, it's it's funny because I can't sleep at night. So during the pandemic, I've been rewatching. I've since rewatched Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, um, Enterprise. Uh, I just now restarted Voyager, and I'm loving the journey. Now, mm-hmm. Next Gen will always be my thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? There's something just like about I liked Atlantis, but I was an SG one dude. Right. So, so it it happens, but it's still a world full of stories that I love. I hear you. I have fan questions for you. Please do. All right. We can go a little bit over if you need you to. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't want to cut anyone off. So well, yeah. no, I just, I just want to make sure if you have a hard out that we take care of that. But okay. Uh, I need my... to eat or I'll pass out. <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you, I, we can go a little bit late. Uh, Michael, if the start of SGU, at the start of SGU, Eli is beamed up to the Hammond. If that happened to you in real life, what would your reaction be? I would be stoked. So... Next generation fan. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is this is the dorkiest thing I've admitted. Uh, I used to have a fantasy that I would like go to the bank and I would turn. I would hear like a weird noise and I would turn and Jean Luc Picard would be standing there and he's like, "We need you," and he would just kidnap me and I'd be on board the Enterprise. <laughs> um, I, I would love it. Where Eli was like uncertain. If there was a mission to Mars, a one way mission tomorrow, if I could sign up, I would. Romaine, THBLT, your favorite video games of all time. This is something Romaine, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Is the romaine the lettuce, or is there also lettuce in addition to the romaine? <laughs> romaine for BLT. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, sorry, what was the question? Your I got favorite video uh, games of all time. Uh, okay. Secret of Mana, Chrono Trigger, uh, Star Trek Knights of the, or Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Yes! Um, yes! One of the Revan! Oh, one of the best, without spoiling it, even though it's been like 100 years, one of the best plot twists of any script or game I've ever played. That's right. Um, I really enjoyed this game. So I just started on Twitch, and a lot of people have been gifting me really some cool games and stuff that I never would have played otherwise. I'm having a blast streaming like six days a week. One of the ones someone gifted me uh, was called Starcom Nexus. Everyone needs to play this game. It's essentially... All these space exploration video games we've ever wanted, where you're you're building up a ship, you're customizing it. It's like Starflight back in the '80s, which I loved as a game. You're exploring, uh, you're doing internet uh, interspecies relations. You're it's it's essentially SGU, the video <laughs> game. I played it for weeks and weeks to the point where sometimes I couldn't sleep at three in the morning. I'd wake up, turn on the stream, and just yeah. start playing it. It was so much fun. Wow, have you played I Elite Dangerous? No, but I think it's on my wish list. I have sunk 500 hours into that game. Yeah. One-to-one scale Milky Way Galaxy. Oh. It is uh, – check into it. But be careful. So Yeah, and- it's, it's, a, it's tough. It's a, it's a, uh, a double-edged sword because I'm enjoying this time I know. playing games and stuff. But, like, I got an Oculus Quest 2 and I started playing super hot. And now I feel like I'm John Wick. I'm not. <laughs> I can't do anything I do in that game, but I like to pretend again. Um, have, you, have you played Jedi Fallen Order yet? Yep, beat it, loved it. I can't um, wait for the next one. So much fun. It was so a, good. Be, the, the controls, I almost wanted to burn and kill it with sticks, but it was one of the most beautifully visual. Uh, it was If you like Star Wars, if you haven't played that game, there's something wrong with you. It's so beautiful. And um, Tony Amendola was great. Cameron yep. was, was wonderful. So terrific. Yeah. Uh, so you teach acting. So Jen Kirby wants to know, is there a website or email for contact about classes? 
Indeed there is. It's called bookyouraudition.com. So I do private coaching. I do master classes. I do uh, ongoing classes, all sorts of stuff. It's something that I've always done word of mouth just because I like to help people. And then at a certain point became something that I offered to people. Um, I'm lucky to say that a lot of my clients are working a lot. So that's great. uh, Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to be able to it's a creative output for me, but it's also really nice to be able to help other people achieve their dreams. You know, well, there's there's something about that that you know, that there are a few jobs that are more important than teaching. It's just one of the mm-hmm. most satisfying things that there is. Yeah, although it is funny, there is a part to it. To be completely transparent, uh, I coached a friend of mine for a recurring guest star on Flash. And he called me and he's like, I booked it. And I was like, yes, yes. Oh, I don't get any more money off of this. I get <laughs> oh I'm like, I'm very happy for you, but I didn't book it. Huh? <laughs> I'm imagining it's what it's like being a parent. You're like, yes, I'm proud of you. My life is unchanged. <laughs> right, exactly. I get to live vicariously through you. Have fun. So, well, that's, that's terrific. Captain Mark, Red Angel, uh, would you do voice acting for a Stargate animated series if one was greenlit? Of course. I do a lot of voice acting. You guys might have heard me in in, uh, World of Warcraft, Sunset Overdrive, a bunch of cartoons and things. I love it. Um, I... It sounds so cliche, but I love acting in all of its forms. Um, theater, voiceover, television, film. If I could, and I drive my representation crazy with this, I would be acting... 25 hours a day um i'd love to do it uh i would much prefer to be on a series because i just love the imagination of it there's just something so fun about exploring other planets and running the ship and whatever i would like i've had (laughs) so the sgu watch party has triggered my subconscious in a way that's fun and annoying i had (laughs) two or three different dreams during the pandemic that we were filming season three and I remember in one of the dreams, Elena came up to me and she's like, isn't this crazy? And I was like, yeah, we're no one knows we're doing this, but we're back and we're filming. They're going to freak out when they find out. And then I woke up and I was so pissed off. Oh, yeah, it was a dream. But I, w- I would love to revisit that character. I would or any character, really. I just like what I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, you 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 get what you need out of it. Can- and, and if you haven't watched it, by the way, there's something called Plague Nerdologues. Um, I helped with charity through for my friend Mark Bernardin, who's a writer on Star Trek Picard. He got a bunch of uh, actors you might know together, Jonathan Frakes, Trisha Helfer, myself, uh, to do iconic nerd monologues. And I got to do Joker. So I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, okay. But also, I love playing things I haven't gotten a chance to play. Part of the reason I was so intent on losing weight once we started SGU. Um, so... Bring me a Daniel Jackson that becomes a superhero and I'm in. <laughs> Absolutely. Karen Burns, were there any personal experiences you drew on to play any particular scenes of Eli? Hmm. Well, you know, it's actually kind of weirdly, I guess, kismet. Um, spoiler. When everything happened with Gin on the show, I was actually going through a breakup. I had a very long-term relationship. We lived together, and we were breaking up. So I was actually sad at that point. And the the storyline actually helped me cathartically work through it, but also it helped me bring a lot of extra stuff to it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of odd not to sound too spiritual about it, but 
if you pay attention in your life, you'll notice weird coincidences all the time. And I find that with my acting, you know, uh, I'll be going through something weird when the character is going through something weird. I'll be celebrating something when the character is celebrating something. And I just, I consider that little gifts from the universe. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say that with Gin for sure. And in a weird way, starting the series because I had never been to Canada. I had never been a series regular before. I didn't know any of these people. So we all moved up to a new country. Those of us who weren't Canadian, which was about half the cast and started a new job with new people. And this is kind of why I, all these cast members and crew will always be near and dear to my hearts. We disappeared into each other. We leaned on each other. We all lived near each other. I would go to yoga with Brian. I would go see a movie with Elise. I'd go out drinking with other people and we needed each other because we didn't know anyone else there. Um, kind of like the people on the destiny, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of a weird parallel. It worked. Wow. Melissa D. Um, what was the hardest day for SGU Ooh. for you? Um, Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, well, camera on your head. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a blast <laughs> in the rain. Even, yep. <laughs> Even though I was soaking wet, oh, like when you walk, your shoes are like squish. squish. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, I had a see. That's I'm weird. I love that stuff. Um, <laughs> I think the two hardest days I can think of. One is season one. I had a bunch of you know playing the the nerd techno guy. You have a bunch of technological lines, which are usually not a problem for me. But when you're working twenty hours a day, six days a week, and getting Ugh. tired, you start to run out of hard drive space. So I remember. We we're doing the scene in the caves and it was all dusty and crazy and we were trying to escape from the caves and I was supposed to say this whole thing about where destiny was and draw it in the sand. Well, first of all, could not remember my lines to save my life. And that's not me. When I show up to set, I'm off book. I'm not even holding my pages. So I was it was frustrating to not know what I was supposed to be saying. And I felt like I was failing and 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 being bad for everyone. But then also a light moment. I drew the two orbits and Robert Cooper was like draw it differently. And I was like, why is like, those look like boobs. <laughs> <laughs> so I just had to put a cap on that. Um, but I would say, I mean, the emotional moments for Eli were tough because I really enjoyed hanging out with my castmates and we would sit around the chairs and laugh. And when Eli was going through that stuff, I would put on like certain music playlists and I would just kind of sit by myself. I felt very isolated because Eli was isolated mm -hmm. and I would try to get myself in that headspace before filming, but it was tough because I didn't want to be doing that, you know? So those two come to mind. There's probably a better one, but that was, that's what comes to mind. Well, I appreciate that. Dan Zimmerly. Um, what's your preference playing one character long-term or uh, a, a number of uh, characters for a more brief time? I guess at this point in your life, that's, I, at any point that that would that would change probably but where you are yeah. right now i know it's gonna sound like a cop-out but both um okay. you know i did i did the play lear shadow which is essentially a, a two or three person king lear we ran for a month and we filmed it as a movie and i r doing theater i love it i love being in a character and getting a new crack at it every night um as a series regular like i said it's really fun to be able to watch a character grow and change financially and career-wise, mm -hmm. I think the series regular is my favorite because it evolves um, and you get to learn and grow. But my goal has always been, uh, much to my detriment, to never stop working. I want to go do 
a series. I want to be Brian Smith. I want to go do a series and then in my two months off, go do a Broadway play and then go do a film and then come back to the series. I want it all. You know, he's a rock star. He, he is. And he deserves to be. He's one of the greatest people I know. Like he absolutely deserves any modicum of success. Robert Den Duvener. What non-Stargate sci-fi show is your favorite? Okay, well, putting aside Next Generation, because I already uh, talked about that. Yeah. For me, it would be Quantum Leap was a huge part of my childhood. Um, mm. Quantum Leap, Next Generation, uh, Battlestar Galactica, absolutely loved it. Uh, Firefly, absolutely loved it. Buffy, Angel, uh, I watch a lot. <laughs> I've always watched a lot. Solar Babies was one of my favorite movies when I was younger. <laughs> I've not Crawl. seen it. Uh, Space Camp. That's why I went to Space Camp. Oh, okay. Uh, all sorts of things. I, as long as it's smart sci-fi, like 12 Monkeys. My friend Todd Stash was on 12 Monkeys, and I thought it was one of the most brilliant, timey-wimey shows I've ever seen. <laughs> so I just like stories, telling them and hearing them. Any other, uh, Jet Ison, any other Stargate character that you would uh, have uh, played if given the chance? It's going to sound like a cop-out, but no, because I think they did it well. You know, okay. like as much fun as it would be to play McKay, David Hewlett killed it. Uh, same with Shank, same with RDA, same with Amanda Tapping. Um, now, that being said, when, when we started filming SGU, I was one of the only over, I was the only overweight actor auditioning to play Eli. Uh, so when I booked it, I gained, I've yo-yoed my whole life, but I gained weight for Ugly Betty. And then I kind of started working regularly because of it. When I booked SGU, I pulled Brad and Rob aside and I said, Hey, it's really important to me if you're okay with it, that Eli loses weight during this show. It's a survival show. We have horrible access to food, so it would make sense anyway. Mm -hmm. Plus I want to feel more healthy and get some energy back. Um, and I think it could be fun for the character, you know? So the minute we started filming, I started losing weight. If you watch the show again, you'll see me lose about 40 pounds over two years. And then I lost the rest after. Um, one of the re one of the things while doing it that was in my mind, and this was before Guardians of the Galaxy or anything, was that sort of Chris Pratt thing. I like the idea, because I've never done it, of being the action hero, of being the James Bond, of being that... Um, it's, a, it's something I haven't gotten a chance to try on that I would really, really like. And I'm lucky in that I've lost enough weight and, and worked out enough that I've gotten some opportunities, but I haven't gotten the actual chance to yet. It's just a matter of time, man. Knock on every piece of wood. I <laughs> <laughs> George, but that's a weird thing, too. I mean, we don't talk about it much as actors. If you watch the Brie Larson video, I highly recommend it because if we don't get a job, you don't hear about it. Mm. But some of the roles that I've been either close to or up for it's really hard as somebody who, who somebody who loves fandom, who loves doing conventions to not talk about it because when I'm up for a role that I want that I know fans will freak out over, all I'm thinking about is the fans. Mm -hmm. I'm like, God, can you imagine at Comic-Con? They're like, wait, what? Did Eli Wallace is going to play Flash? You know, yeah. like that it means a lot to me. And I almost feel like you guys are all my family and I'm trying to make you proud. <laughs> well, you know, I think we're all connected. We... We're invested. We're here. Anyone who's in the sound of my voice, because we're invested in the product that you guys created as an ensemble, and so yeah, yeah any any success that you have, you know, absolutely. 
Yeah. Oh, and per Mr. Gibbs, by the way, sorry to look at chat. Uh, and Travelers. I loved Travelers. And if you haven't watched it, please watch it. Because first of all, you'll see everyone from Stargate. <laughs> you uh, sure will. But Patrick's but great. In Patrick it. Gilmore. Mm-hmm. He's always amazing. Patrick Gilmore in Travelers. I texted him maybe every episode saying, you are so good. Yeah. He's on the phone and you can't take your eyes off of him. Yeah. He is so good. Yeah, he's very magnetic. George oh. Fotis Dram, Dramasiotis. Nice. Sorry, George, well I completely butchered that. How was it forming a relationship with Robert Carlyle? Because these two characters have such a complicated relationship as well. There's, there is a competitive side. There's a little bit of a mentor-mentee side. And then at the end of it, in my, you know, th- one of the greatest lines of that show, you realize that you've surpassed him. It always makes me think of the Lawnmower Man line. You realize, Dr. D'Angelo, my intelligence has surpassed yours. That's what I was thinking of that whole freaking scene. But it, I, this is a bit insider, but when you're number oh, one on a call sheet, <laughs> when you're number one on a call sheet, it's not just acting. You're also setting the tone for the, for the set. You're setting the tone for the series, for the show, for the whatever. So there are some horrible number ones out there who make set toxic and just unbearable and then there are good ones who make set so much fun you never want to leave the show um i give a lot of credit and a lot of uh pats on the back to robert carlisle because from minute one he was great and i can say to me he was great i felt like i became friends with him faster than anyone else uh even on planes we would stay up having a drink talking about life and about not even about the show and i trusted him i loved working with him uh in full transparency when i heard he was playing Rush. I was like, who? And I had to Google him. And I'm like, oh, I've seen right. his work. Yeah. But it's not like, you know, he was the most famous person in the world in my mind. But I respect the crap out of his work um, and him. And so I think that helped a lot, uh, that sort of early friendship. Uh, and it, it sounds like fan service, but every single person, I, I would almost get lost in a scene watching them work. You know, it was distracting. Uh, but he did a really good job. A lot of credit to him. Having been number one on a few things now, it's tough. When you're tired, you can't be tired. No. Everyone's watching no. at you and taking a lot of their cues from you. Yep. Stefan Ames, would you be a game for another uh, Stargate role-playing game session? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I love playing role-playing games, especially when I know them. Uh, as I said, <laughs> I've been dming a lot during the pandemic i actually dm custom one shots for people via my twitch now we're doing one tomorrow actually at three okay um, i love i didn't know it at the time because i've always played DD or, or role-playing games i didn't know it at the time but as a storyteller i love helping people tell a story and that's what you are as a dm you know or as or you know i like alexis he's like my brother uh great guys they're just fun games this is the thing about conventions when we get invited to conventions, which uh, when we get invited to conventions, it's a blast because we all love each other. It's dangerous. You invite me and Rainbow Sun Franks and Alexis to a convention. No one's sleeping. Um, Michael Shanks, Lexa, and I became tight at a convention. Uh, Ben Browder, Robert Ricardo, we explore together. Like we get along. So playing games with my friends is fun whether or not i'm good at them you know do you, do that being said can i can i get on soapboxes for a quick second uh, be my guest oh i just want to say to everybody uh because people always ask me about like will you come to a con will you come to this con just so you guys know 
absolutely it's wonderful to hear as an actor to that we want you to con but it's actually not up to us what i recommend is whether it's me or other people reach out to the con near you or whatever that you want them at and say i want this guest because it's up to the convention to reach out to us and and invite us and organize it for the most part there's only a few people who don't for the most part we all love doing it we love hanging out with you all meeting you all taking pictures having a good time making memories um and especially if you're a fan of sgu or us please do because there's a few cons out there that for some reason will have like all Stargate conventions, but only invite SG-1 and Atlantis. And yeah. I don't mind if I'm not invited, but it always bothers me when I don't see anyone from SGU on the list because that feels yep. personal. Yep. So if you want us there, please reach out to them. We'll be there in a heartbeat. I can't underline, cannot underline that enough. I absolutely agree. Deanna, Deanna Streaming. Hey. I, I have to know what this is. What triggered your love of llamas? Oh, God. So Deanna is one of my mods and oh, okay. because of Twitch. There's a running gag. Uh, so this is a green screen behind me. Um, <laughs> so there's a running gag that I'm hiding something. And it's somehow become about llama. It's because of Hamilton. There's a line in Hamilton where Alexander Hamilton, played by Lin-Manuel, says, and on my life, Eliza. But every time I hear it, it sounds like, I'm a llama lover. Every time. If go back and listen to it. It sounds like, and I'm a llama lover. And so llamas have become this running <laughs> joke on my Twitch. <laughs> So that's what that is, Dierna. <laughs> Lorraine Black, any books um, that you enjoy reading? Do you read sci-fi? I do. Uh, so huge nerd. Uh, growing up, uh, I read Imzadi, Vendetta, mm. all the Star Trek ones, all the Star Wars ones, Jedi Academy series, all that stuff. Um, I also read other things. Highly recommend The Goldfinch if you haven't read it. One of the, my oh. favorite books I've ever read. Okay. Um, oh, it might have been... I was traveling reading that. I couldn't put it down. Um, wow. Also, All the Light We Cannot See. Uh, I just had a few books gifted to me by people on the Twitch. Uh, oh, God. Well, the Gunslinger. The whole uh, <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, there, there's a few that I'm trying to get into. I've, I'm one of those people during the pandemic that somehow found myself more busy than I was <laughs> yeah. before. So I'm not having the time, but I love reading. Uh, I'm trying to put as much time as I can into writing and the Twitch, of course. But Julie and I are writing our third script right now. And this one is actually like fantasy sci-fi. So we're trying to get it done and get it out there in the hopes of getting it made. So that's kind of taken priority. Did you read uh, Tinderbox, Lou Diamond Phillips' book? Not yet. No, I will really want to. That's all. I actually actually might have that one, actually. I had it read in two days. Yeah, really? I'd love to have him on and talk about I loved it. I reminded me so much of Dune. Oh, okay. Not even funny. So. I've seen him posting about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, oh, Lou Diamond. There's another one. I've been a fan of LDP since Young Guns, Stand and Deliver. And uh, meeting him, he is an example of, he wasn't number one on the show, but an example of what the industry can be, what the world can be. When I was about to work with Lou Diamond Phillips, I expected he'd be like stuck up and egotistical because he was famous since for like 30 years. And he was one of the most down to earth friendliest dudes to this day. If I text him, he responds within an hour or two. Wow. And that's just a good person, you know? Yeah. And, and he doesn't need to be that, but he is. You want to talk about great humans. And Brian introduced me to her back at Comic-Con Ming-Na. Oh yeah. Oh Ming-Na's- my God. If you hear Ming-Na's laugh, you laugh. You can't help yeah. but laugh. Yeah. She's just a great human. Uh, last and deserves. I'm so stoked. I'm telling you guys, slight spoiler, Mandalorian stuff. 
and beyond. I haven't so seen happy. season two yet, so say nothing. I won't say anything. I did text <laughs> her, and I was like, oh, my God. And Aww. her response is why you should love her. Her response was not like, thank you. Her response was, I know, right? <laughs> Even she, like, has trouble believing how cool it is, what she's doing. Last questions for you. The, yeah. the Z, 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 Z. And I won't read the other Zs, but that was the, the person who submitted them. Uh, okay. were, were there any instances in SGU where you had a say or it had an influence in a script? Yeah, a couple. Um, and again, <laughs> part of this is naivete in that I can't believe I even said anything. Um, and then the other part is a compliment to Brad, Rob, Carl, Joe, and all of them for even being willing to listen um, when you write and produce a show, you can be the type of writer producer that's like, go do what I tell you to do, or you can be the type that's collaborative and they're very collaborative. And I'm really, really appreciate that. Can I say three things? Yeah. Okay. It's the last number one, question. number one, between seasons one and two, I was just, I've always been a writer, but I was just starting to try to write scripts and for fun, I decided to try to try to write an SGU episode, just a spec one. And it ended up becoming a two-parter that I wrote. And I sent it to my lawyer and a couple of friends. And my lawyer said, oh, my God, this is really good, man. You should send it to the producers. And I was like, no, they don't care. And he's like, just send it. And I sent it. And Carl gave me notes on it and told me what he liked and what he did. And they, were, they weren't, like, upset that I sent a script. They were cool about it. And it felt like a nice... Robert Cooper told me some scripts to read and books to read to become even a better writer. And they're really supportive. So there's that. Two, um, God bless Brad uh, for me overstepping and being cool with it. In season one, there was originally in one of the scripts, there was a moment where I think Colonel Young lies to everybody and pretends that he knows something that he doesn't. And I don't know what gave me these balls, but I walked up to Brad, my boss, and said, hey, do you watch Battlestar Galactica? And he's like, no, I haven't. I was like, okay, I'm so sorry. It's just, I just want you to be aware there was an episode where this kind of happened. And I, I don't know if you care, but I thought maybe you'd want to know. And he went, oh, oh, it's like, no, I didn't know that. And they rewrote it. And they took that out. And first of all, amazing that he didn't just fire me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> like questioning their writing, but he was willing to do that because he just wanted to create this new thing. Um, the big one though I always loved, because I love pop culture, I always loved how much Eli quoted movies and referenced them. Right. And then right around season two, because of everything that was happening in the show, it didn't happen as much. And I think I went up to Carl and I said, you know, I'm just noticing that I'm not quoting movies or referencing them anymore. And he's like, oh, he's like, I, you know, honestly, I, don't even, I didn't even realize that. He's like, if you see a moment where you want to, let us know. And in season two, towards the end, there's a moment between Eli and Ray where he says, this isn't Last Starfighter. <laughs> and that was me because the minute I auditioned for this show, I felt like I was in Last Starfighter. Okay. So they let me add that moment for Eli. That plus in time, one of my favorite episodes, yeah, the list of movies that Eli loves, Desert Island movies. Robert Cooper came up to me and said, what are your favorite movies? And I said, mine are Eli's. And he said, both. The lists of Eli's is what I thought was Eli's list. So they were really <laughs> wonderfully collaborative. Man. Yeah. The, I, I remember talking with you the, the, the first time that we had an interview and, and we were talking about air part three 
and you are walking across the, the, the dunes and white sands. One of my favorite places on the earth. Going in your head, Muadib, 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 Well, that and also ow, 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 because right. thankfully you can't tell in the episode, but I just pulled my groin. Oh, and we were no. running up and down sand dunes. I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> Gosh, man. You looking forward to Dune? I am. I am for multiple reasons. The cast is fantastic. I love the original movie. Uh, I'm curious to see... I'm not a huge fan of reboots in general, because to me, a reboot, unless the original was lost in a fire, you can just watch the original, you know? That being said, I love entertainment, and I will give anything a try. I can be mad about, you know, them doing a whole new Star Trek, but I'll still be the first one to see it on opening day. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. And usually we're wrong. (laughs) Yeah, often. So I'm, I'll see it no matter what. I am stoked. I'm I wish I could be in it. Um, it's going to be really hard not to go more deep, more deep, more deep, more deep, more deep, more deep during the movie. Right. <laughs> I'm. I, I can't what wait. The scene looks cool. Yeah, it's 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 looks beautiful. It looks like they've really put their money where their mouth is with it. So I was a huge fan of the sci-fi miniseries, and I'm I'm really hoping that it takes the best of both the David Lynch version and that. Yeah, and does I mean, its own always- thing. So. That's the goal. You know, it's we're in such an interesting time in entertainment where people are exploring and taking chances, but also kind of just revisiting. And it, it kind of drives me crazy, but I really respect people who have an idea or a vision and either break some boundaries, parasite, mm-hmm. um, explore existing ones and expand them, discovery, uh, try a try a new version, will and grace. You know, uh, or a whole new one, Walker, Texas Ranger. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I respect storytellers and storytelling, and I want to hear their version, and I'll always give them a shot. Not everything's for me, but mm. I love, let's be honest here, would any of us have gotten through this pandemic if it wasn't for movies and TV? It would have been hard. And communicate, the ability to communicate with each other through it, too, for sure. Yeah. It's it's really, really tough. And so I hope everyone remembers that moving forward. But also, I am so grateful to be in an industry that makes the thing that I love. You know, and I'm happy any day I get to do what I love for a living. David, this has been a treat. Thank you so much for this. I would love to have you back later this year. Um, to go into more specific episode details where we're uh, my, my hope with this show is to create a lasting archive of uh, Stargate for the future, for the future sure. generations that aren't haven't even found the show yet, um, to uh, to to come and and discover it for themselves and and the little behind the scenes tips and everything tidbits and everything else. So it, it's a great pleasure to have you on, and it means a lot to me that you're here. I would love that. I uh, give me an email, let me know, and also mm-hmm. if I may, just replug everyone. Please come and check out the Twitch channel for David Blue. It's completely free to watch or follow. You can subscribe. But uh, if you don't come for the games and the D&D, come to the SGU watch parties because it's a bunch of people who love Stargate hanging out online, watching episodes together, telling stories and laughing. Can you give? And I love that about Stargate. At that, well, that's what it is. That's what it's about. Can you give the uh, the Twitch ID one more time? Yeah, it's uh, twitch.tv slash for David Blue. And that will be in the description in just a few moments here as well, folks. You'll be able to click on it. Thank you so much to you, David, and to all of you watching. Uh, 
the the fandom and the nerd world and all of you mean the world to me before SGU and even more so now. It's great to have you, man. I'm 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 so grateful that you play an an, an active role in the the community. It's so nice to to have people involved in such a great project who know the quality of the work that it was and appreciate the fan base for what it is. So yeah, we would not work. Don't let any person, actor, writer, producer, director, tell you different. We do it for you. We would not have jobs if it was not for fandom. Now, that being said, you still have to create the stories you want to tell and hope you hope it finds an audience, but literally means the world to us that you care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not like, you know, not, not everything is going to land with everybody, but you know, you have to create what you believe in and hope that it connects with someone else. And that's build it and they will come. That's exactly right. Kevin Costner. All righty, my friend, (laughs) uh, best of luck with your Twitch and we'll be posting the link and, um, you have a great, a great new year, and we will be in touch. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon, bud. Take care of yourself, man. Be well. Bye. Bye-bye <laughs> Bye. now. David Blue, everyone. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. And thanks to David Blue. David, um, he uh, was in – they had, they had just uh, started, I think, season two. And I bumped into him at Comic-Con. And we had only, like, seen each other once the year before. And I came up to him. I was like, hey, David Reed. And I put out my hand. He's like, no, no, no. We're in hugs now. (laughs) I'll never forget that. He has always been so um, welcoming and such... Such a kindred spirit. A kindred sci-fi spirit. So it's it's a, a delight to have him on the show now. Before I let you go, we have Eli Fan Art. And that is not it. That is it. So the guest artist for the week is Wolverine. So this is uh, from Stargate. So they, sh- they say from Stargate Universe, it's a redraw of a piece I did a few years ago, which is probably one of uh, my favorite old DeviantArts. I love this of Eli. They've really, really captured his essence in this. So submit your Stargate art to us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you like what you've seen, I'd appreciate it if you'd click the like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. If you plan to watch live, I recommend giving the bell icon a click so you'll be the first to know of any schedule changes, which happen all the time. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. And if you want goodies, we've got goodies for you this month. One of these communication stones is a screen use prop, and the other is a screen accurate replica. So for the month of January, Dial the Gate is giving away the replica. In order to win, you need to use a desktop or laptop computer and visit dialthegate.com. Scroll down to Submit Trivia Questions. Your trivia may be used in a future episode of Dial the Gate, either for our monthly trivia night or for a special guest to ask me in a round of trivia. There are three slots for trivia, one easy, one medium, and one hard. Only one needs to be filled in, but you're welcome to submit up to three. Please note the submission form does not currently work on mobile devices. Your trivia must be received before February 1, 2021. If you are the lucky winner, I will be notifying you via your email right after the start of the new year to get your address. 
that's all we've got for this episode. Jan uh, Newman, the makeup artist for Stargate SG-1, all 10 seasons and two DVD movies, is up at the top of the hour, which will be 3 o'clock Pacific time, which will make it 6 o'clock Eastern time. Thanks again to David Blue. Uh, a great interview. Great guy. I really appreciated having him on. I really appreciate you joining us. And you know what? We'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner. Co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo designed by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.